Welcome, everyone, to the Take 5 podcast from Fortinet. You give us a few minutes, and we provide five cybersecurity tips and best practices for today's technology leaders. This podcast series taps into the experience from the Fortinet Field CISO team, focusing on lessons learned in 2020 and insights for the year ahead across key industries. I'm your host, Rick Peters, the CISO for Operational Technology in North America, and today we're talking with Jim Richberg, Fortinet CISO for our public sector practice. And he's talking about lessons learned from 2020 and new approaches in the year ahead for the public sector. Good morning and welcome, Jim. I'm glad to be here, Rick. Thanks. Hey, you know, let's uh, jump right into the topic of the day because it's certainly uh, of interest to many. Looking back at uh, the year 2020, what is one major takeaway in terms of securing organizations in the public sector that CISO should take away? Well, Rick, I think we've broken the mold of government services delivered largely or exclusively by government workers in offices to citizens in face-to-face transactions. Remote and work-from-home solutions and digital services for citizens and things like RPA, robotic process automation in the form of chatbots and intelligent agents are the new reality. This dramatically increases the size of the digital surface, uh, which is a term I prefer to calling it an attack surface because for me in government, an attack was always something I wanted to avoid. The kind of interconnectivity that we get with digital transformation is a reality It brings vulnerability and risk to manage. So I prefer to call it digital surface. But be that what it it is, it has increased dramatically as a result of these changes. Work from home, more of these citizen-facing online services. And I think testimony to this is that we saw the number of records exposed in the typical breach of government systems last year roughly double in size, in part because of these new vulnerability and risk surfaces that CISOs have to manage. Wow, great points. And I think, you know, um, that I like that notion of digital surface because you know, it's certainly cross-cutting, right? But it illustrates uh, the trend that's happening everywhere. And certainly 2020 forced a lot of innovation. So um, all of those points really make sense. Hey, in terms of priorities for 2021, what are one to two priorities that should be top of mind for any CISO in the public sector? So, Rick, I'll give you one priority that is multi-part, and that is that CISOs and, frankly, CIOs are going to have to figure out how to manage in the year of the hybrid which is what I'm calling 2021. And I don't mean that's the kind of car some of us drive when we're not in lockdown, but rather that organizations are going to have blended or hybrid operations. And unfortunately, so are the threat actors. And let me illustrate this in three fashions. Um, Government organizations are going to have hybrid workplaces. Uh, Most federal managers expect most of their workforce to continue to work remotely most of the time. Even when people come back to the office, it's going to be a mix. Some people are going to come back all of the time. Uh, Other organizations are going to stagger people in shifts. And federal agencies are starting to emulate what we're now hearing coming out of Silicon Valley, considering hiring people who are fully remote, don't even live in the geographic 
organ area. This is really a sea change for, for government because especially in state and local government, there was often a requirement that you had to live in the jurisdiction you were supporting. Um, and now the, the fact that they're talking about hiring fully remote people means remote is here to stay. The new normal is not going to be like the old normal in that sense. So the workplace is going to be hybrid. The patterns of work themselves are going to be hybrid. I already mentioned RPA, um, and RPA doubled in its use in the federal government in the 12 months prior to COVID. And it's only accelerated since then. And at, at the state level, it went from something that only a relative handful of states were using pre-COVID to something that most states, almost all, were using by June for their citizen-facing services. Um, now, robotic process automation is basically a way of saying, I'm going to automate what people already do. So I basically know how to do that. Set up a bot, give it the same privileges and access that a human would have. But the, the descendant that parts of government are now starting to look at is intelligent automation, where you give it more autonomy with AI and ML. And Rick, you and I remember the joke that says to air is human, to really screw things up takes a computer. This yes, is going to pose new challenges in the way we have to secure this kind of hybrid work pattern for government. Um, and unfortunately, it's not only the good guys the, the, on the government side who are hybrid. Threat activity itself is becoming increasingly hybrid. And I'll give you a couple of illustrations of that. Attacks are starting to become multi-vector. You may see a denial of service accompanied by a spear phishing campaign, hoping that it can slip in in the noise of the denial of service when the network defenders and the users are distracted and they're more likely to click on something. Um, malicious activity is starting to become multi-impact. We're seeing ransomware that not only encrypts your data, it threatens to publish some of it online in doxing, increase the incentive for the victim to pay out. Um, we're starting to see mixed best of breed code show up. Things like ransomware that is built from the initial infection module of one highly successful tool, uses the lateral expansion capability of a second one, and then the encryption or the command and control of a third and a fourth one. It's as if Dr. Frankenstein had set out to say, I'm going to design an athlete uh, and I'm going to go to the graveyard of Olympians and take the legs of a sprinter and the lungs of a marathon runner. I mean, this is a scary kind of malware. And then we're starting to see hybrids in the sense of AI assistance. Uh, you know, we know how AI can help defenders. We've talked about how AI can help attackers. The first thing I would look for would be in spear phishing uh, to sharpen content generation because there are already open source packages that when given a sample can mimic the style and the content. So when an intruder steals your credentials and your uh, address file, they'll also steal emails. So it's not going to be the one size fits all in broken English. It's going to talk about the subjects and even the syntax that you use for each person. So this hybrid threat environment, this hybrid operating pattern is going to be a real challenge for CISOs and CIOs to manage in this year. You know, it's almost uh, taking identity theft to a whole new level, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 Your whole persona. <laughs> yeah, your persona. And I, I think about that the, the, the concept of the new normal, right, which everybody is kind of, I think, early, early struggling with right now. But clearly adoption of lessons learned from this last year are going to be with us uh, well past 2021. But, hey, what are some unique challenges CISOs 
in the public sector will face in securing their organizations in 2021? So, Rick, first, it, it, it's worth stepping back to say that the public sector is not a monolith. Uh, you know, it ranges in size from federal agencies that have nearly a million members, in the case of a large agency like Department of Defense, uh, to village governments that have a comparative handful. So the challenges and the resources each face are different. So I'll give you one example for federal and one example for state and local. Let me start with state and local. And there, the biggest challenge they're going to face this year is learning how to do more with less to spend smartly because COVID was not only an existential crisis for everyone in America, it was especially acute for state and local government because they cannot run a deficit. They have to live within their means. So the shutdown meant that tax revenues dried up. Small businesses have been going out of, out of, out of business. So they've seen their revenues drop. And if you are a town manager and you're, and you are facing a budget where you say, I can only fund two of the three following activities, emergency services, trash pickup, IT and security, guess which one's going on the chopping block. So you really have to spend smartly and efficiently if you're in state and local government um, in 2021. Um, for the federal government, I think you need to say nothing more than solar winds. It's a reminder that the U.S. government is preferentially the target of sophisticated nation state actors whose activities are difficult to detect let alone counter. I talked to state and local government that may have been affected by solar winds, and they have what I think is a very realistic attitude of saying we were collateral damage in what was essentially a nation state activity directed against its counterpart here. Uh, if you're the federal government, you got the bullseye painted on your chest. You are the prime victim, and therefore you have to, you have to figure out how to deal with that kind of very sophisticated threat. You know, it's interesting. I, li I like the partitioning and, and the clarity on federal versus state and local because, right, there's different rules, right, in terms of the revenue model and, and how they have to f work within those obviously uh, uh, challenging times for, for financial reasons. And this, this notion of collateral damage, that's a topic that's come up uh, with my OT counterparts. So, I, I, boy, I, I, that, that gets me a little... Uh, uh, fired up because I'm I, I'm starting to see more awareness of that. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's talk about the edge for a minute as something that's evolved in in meaning uh, after 2020. How is securing the various edges from IoT to the network and cloud and even the home changed, given the reality that CISOs face today? Well, I, I think the public sector largely lags the private sector on dealing with. Uh, the evolving edges, uh, but they they really are starting to recognize that they've got to deal with them. Um, as you said, remote, you know, the fact that we've already talked about, you'll have a hybridized work environment means remote work from home or anywhere is going to mean that edge is something that will remain increasingly important and salient to government. We've talked about RPA and intelligent automation, and that's going to mean connecting and securing large numbers of data, large parts of an organization internally that didn't use to necessarily have to communicate. Um, and then again, this is one that's right up your alley, ITOT convergence to again, save money and gain efficiency in areas ranging from smart building automation to supplies and external services means that 
this kind of convergence of the edges is something that CISOs are going to have to say, I need to think about things like zero uh, trust access as my default position. I need to have the right kinds of technologies in place to be able to deal with this because I don't have enough money. And especially if I'm in state and local government, I don't have the people or the money or the expertise. That's an excellent point. I, I know I'm, I'm now working with some partners. And as we start to think about you know, smart buildings as an example, there's so many components, right? And they all relate to talk about connected processes from shelter in place to understanding what it means to evacuate to understanding the health condition in the environment, the intelligence uh, perspective on it, which is where are people within the building? How, how many accesses do they have? Are they someplace they shouldn't be? All these elements are all feasible today because we're learning and growing and realizing hey, there's a lot of data out there that can be leveraged. So it's exciting and intriguing, but very challenging at the same time. Hey, our last question on this uh, uh, centers on convergence. And so I'm going to say the convergence of security and networking is top of mind as networks expand and digital transformation continues. What is one key takeaway to keep in mind for CISOs as they plan for more convergence of security and networking in 2021? So, Rick, stepping back um, and having worked with a range of public sector organizations, you know, in March on as they made the pivot to remote telework, I was struck by the extent to which serendipity played a part in success in any given organization. It was basically where you were in your upgrade cycle. Some organizations were well positioned to say, all I need to do is add software agents and I can do this remote work from home. Um, others were faced with trying to fit, you know, the proverbial 10 pounds of flour into a five pound sack. They didn't have the bandwidth. They didn't have the hardware. They literally couldn't do it. So uh, it was largely a function of where they were in their upgrade cycle and choices they might have made independently. So it kind of felt like saying, if you can't be good, be lucky. And, and I think for this year, the imperative is really spending smarter. Uh, because the federal government, while we have run the deficit, we have run the deficit up. And I think the reality is, in the next four years, we're going to see increasing pressure on even the federal government to spend within its means um, and to start curtailing expenditures. Uh, and the biggest thing I would, I would look for in terms of convergence is SD-WAN. We're already seeing a lot of federal organizations recognizing that they gain flexibility for continuity of operations in the event of things like, like uh, the, a pandemic. They save money. Uh, they get better security. They get better user experience. Uh, so things like SD-WAN as, as the real exemplar of this convergence between networking and security has become very, very important at the federal level. We're starting to see it take off in, in state and local government as well. Wow. Excellent points. Jim, as always, uh, your wisdom's amazing and your, your vision is uh, on point. Everyone, thanks for joining us for this episode of Take 5. And we'd ask you to visit our website, www.fortinetfederal.com, to learn more about how Fortinet helps secure the public sector. In our next episode, we'll explore lessons learned from 2020 and new approaches in your year ahead for education. The Take 5 podcast is brought to you by Fortinet, securing your digital innovation across the entire digital infrastructure, whether in networked, application, multi-cloud, or edge environments.